I, too, this is my chance to say I am very thankful for a mom who uh, lived her faith and, um, and for a, a mom who um, not only lived her faith but uh, sought to instill that truth um, in, in children for teaching third grade Sunday school for what, 50 years. I think it was 50, over 50 years, same Sunday school class instilled in young people truth of God's word taught and and uh, we had good news clubs growing up in our home all the time every every summer I remember doing that and getting the neighborhood kids to come and trying to win them to Christ just uh, thankful for a mom who uh, who did live her faith and uh, who taught us and instilled that in us was a praying woman a, a woman who loved God and um, and I can't tell her that anymore so as long as you have opportunity to do it do it and uh, take advantage of that opportunity. I'm thankful I had many opportunities to do it, but uh, there will come a day when you can't. So uh, may, may you just uh, be thankful and grateful uh, and let them, let them know that. So young people, remember that too, all right? There will, will come a day when you can't say thanks, and so you ought to do it, uh, you ought to do it now. And, um, and I hope you've had a wonderful Mother's Day. Um, I too am thankful, and I don't want to be remiss in saying that I'm thankful for the wife God has given me, who has been faithful in raising our children and doing uh, the same thing that my mother did uh, in a little different setting, because uh, my wife, uh, as a, a pastor's wife, and I know some of you would not understand this, but uh, if the kids were sick, she was at home with them, because, well, I was here at church, and uh, and, you know, I could probably send her and she probably would have preached a wonderful message. But, uh, you know, she had a lot of times the, the care of the kids, especially uh, during services, everything else, when I, I couldn't be available because I was up in the, in the pulpit and had a responsibility. I'm thankful for a good, a good wife. And uh, a good wife is a, a blessed thing. And, uh, and she's been a wonderful mother to our children. I'm thankful for that. All right, so now I've got those things said, and I didn't want to forget them, uh, but I do want to uh, dig in tonight to the book of Exodus once again and just learn some uh, great truth tonight. We could have uh, continued on, or I, I, well, I didn't preach on mothers this morning anyway. I preached two mothers, and I hope you were encouraged, as I was just this past week, to be able to look over that wonderful passage of Scripture. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll say this is an unconventional Mother's Day, all right, but uh uh, truth from God's word is always valuable, no matter no matter when it's preached. And I hope you will be uh, helped tonight as we uh, pick up in our outline. In fact, uh, we are uh, at Roman numeral eight. Yes, we are going through a list of things, and we are uh, we began uh, last week to look uh, really starting in chapter eight, lessons for life from the plagues, and we called it part one because well. I have part two. I don't know if we're going to really delve into it all that much. And there probably will be, well, I know there will be. There will be a part three and probably a part four. And who knows? It's, uh, it's getting longer each and every time I work on it. I really thought uh, that usually what happens when you start to, to, to do a uh, kind of a, a list rather than a, a series and rather than trying to walk through the passage, I've been trying to bring out truths that are found really throughout and so in general, what you would expect, <clears throat> doesn't always happen with me, but what you would expect is that uh, you start through and, and you have a lot of points under the first chapter and then kind of things drop off a little bit because you've already hit on subjects. And uh, I, I thought we'd do that with Proverbs too. And 
Well, we're just not getting along all that fast. All right. Thank you, Brother Deals. I appreciate that. I always get a good laugh when I look down at Brother Deals and say something about that because I just don't get all that far all that fast. Yeah, I still, all right, all right, that, thank you very much, all right, so, uh, I, so I don't know, I, I got into chapter 9, and I thought we wouldn't have as many points, and I think I have 9 or 10 already, so, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, my wife's laughing too, so I, I guess everyone's having a good time tonight I, at my expense, that's all right, uh, but uh, we're going to continue on, and we're going to pick up on number 8, I believe it is, correct, do you have that Roman numeral 8? Uh, in Exodus, uh, in Exodus chapter eight, uh, let's just go ahead and quickly review. Help me out, all right? We've learned a number of things already, either about God or about the way He works, or about our lives and what God wants from us. I know it's kind of a, a wide variety of things, but uh, last week, what did we learn? What did you learn? This is an open notebook, te- you know, open sheet test because you've been given that half sheet. So help me out with it. All right, God is a God of truth, and I'm thankful for that. What he says happened, and it did happen in truth. Everything we read reread in the book of Exodus, and by the way, if it didn't, and what else can we believe in the Bible? Because God tells us this is how it happened. All right, then we learned. He is. God is a God of judgment. By the way, that is a, a real serious issue in our day. A lot, of, a lot of preachers aren't preaching God being a God of judgment anymore. We want people to feel good, have a good feeling when they leave church. I want people to have a good feeling when they leave church, by the way. I don't want you to feel bad. But there's a time when we need to feel bad, and, and there's also the understanding we've got to have that truth is truth, whether it's palatable and nice and pleasant or whether it's very difficult. We learned, uh, in, in we, we learned about moral purity from the life of David this morning. And how he failed God miserably and the importance of that. And that's not an easy subject to speak on. It's not an easy subject subject to preach, but it needs to be dealt with. And, and my, it does in our day. So God is a God of judgment, and we can't deny that truth. And the, 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 the um, plagues remind us that God is a God of judgment and severe judgment, which reminds us that there is really a hell and there will be a judgment someday. And people will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity, a serious thing. That we should that should burden our heart uh, to win win the lost and share the good news with people so they can be spared. All right, and, and wow, okay, started preaching on that, but I can't do that. All right, let's move on. What else did we learn from the Book of Exodus? Uh, what another another important truth that is the responsibility of all men. It's your job to listen to and obey the word of God. Pharaoh had that opportunity over and over when God came and said, this is what I'm going to do, and you have opportunity, and and that was his responsibility, and God God held him accountable for that uh, by judging, as we have already said. All right, then what else? What other? Now, this one's a little bit. Okay, go ahead, if we're going in the line. Okay, God keeps his promises, and that could go along with what we already said. Now, now you're adding to our list, and that means I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to put more points in. So, sorry, you put that one in too. God does keep His promises when He says He'll do something; He does it. Very good. Yes, sir. Okay, God controls all aspects of creation, and uh, He created the world, and He controls the world. He didn't leave it on its own, and uh, we're reminded of that because He. I, I think it's amazing. He brings in frogs. He brings in. He brings in lice. He brings in uh, flies. Um, just all sorts of uh, interesting things. Locusts are going are gonna to be coming shortly, you know, and uh, all sorts of things. 
And then not just the animal kingdom, but God uh, controlled the hail and uh, brought fire along the, the ground. Uh, just some really, truly amazing things. All right? Something else. There are, there are consequences for wrong uh, choices. And uh, those consequences make life unbearable. Many times people want to get away from those consequences, but they're real and uh, you can't escape them. And as we, again, in Sunday school, we're reminded, you know, sometimes there, there are some long-term consequences from our actions, and, uh, and we would like to avoid those. But, you know, when, like, for example, someone, if they have been a drunkard in their life, they got into a wreck and lost their leg, when they get saved, their leg doesn't grow back. You know, you've you got to live with it for the rest of your life. There are consequences. And it's not just those things. It's just... Uh, it's a fact that when I choose to sin, uh, many times there are long-term uh, consequences for that. And, um, and there's just a lot of lessons we learned about that. Then we, we also mentioned something that's uh, important to know about our enemy. And what is it? Okay, Satan does have power. He has the power, and he did, to imitate. Um, it is really interesting as you read through the, the plagues how Satan was... Uh, at, at work, and although we don't see his, his name is never mentioned, I, we want to admit that, but it was the magicians, it was those who were, if you would, under the control of Satan and used of, of Satan, who did these other things, um, and, and obviously uh, they had a part in um, affecting Pharaoh's thinking, uh, at least at the beginning, and um, uh, it's kind of great that uh, not only did uh, the magicians stopped being able to do anything, but I love the when the plague of boils came. Do you remember the, the God said, "All right, magicians, I'm done with you." You know, pass them off the scene. Never hear the magicians again after a plague of boils, and they couldn't stand before Moses because they had boils. Couldn't get rid of them. I guess they could have gotten more, but uh, that wouldn't have helped all that much, and it kept them from standing before uh, Moses. Just an amazing thing about Satan and how he works, but he's also limited, and we're reminded of that in in all these things. And uh, he was limited to only doing bad, by the way, and that's all he ever does from what we have in Scripture. You never find Satan ever doing anything good for anyone. And yet, <laughs> people follow their father. Isn't that, that an amazing thing? It's kind of like someone destroying them, but they're going to do it anyway. Uh, okay, what, see, I just want to preach these. Let's move on. And we, here's where we left off, right? So it is important to do something. What is important for you to do? That's right. You know, Pharaoh did come to the place where he admitted that, and that's when Moses said, glory over me. Uh, you know, he got, he got fired up. He had, he had one of those old-fashioned revivals because he thought, this is it. We know we're out the door now. And, uh, and so uh, we need to acknowledge God's hand in the events of life, and Pharaoh did admit that. Uh, later on, we see how Pharaoh admitted some other things, and we'll get to that um, um, in, a, in another point in the future, okay? So uh, let's pray now, and let's ask God to help us as we uh, look at an, another truth that we glean from Exodus chapter 8. Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to review, to think through the things that we've already mentioned from Exodus 8. But I pray that you would um, uh, touch our hearts this evening from the story of the plagues and the lessons we can learn with truth that we need for our lives today. And, um, and I pray that our time would be beneficial, that this wouldn't just be a time where we, we talk about a number of things, but I pray that these 
these truths would touch our hearts and that we would be uh, either convicted or encouraged, whatever the case may be, and that we might be reminded and maybe even have truth reinforced in our heart uh, through what we see laid out for us in the plagues. And we'll thank you for how you help us and what you'll do uh, tonight to uh, teach us from your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was February of 1931, and a gentleman said, Our district in China was reduced to a state of famine, and yet there was still another month to the wheat harvest. Things were in very bad shape. We had helped many people in our church, but one day the Christians came for help, and we had to tell them, we have nothing left. As a pastor, I told them that God was a prayer-hearing and prayer-answering God. And they proposed that they would come and join in my prayer time each afternoon. So we began to do that. And on the fourth day of the intercession of, of asking God to help, I was called out of the meeting, our prayer time, to see what was happening. And in the north, there was a dark cloud that was approaching. And as we watched, it crossed over our district, and it rained heavily. But this was not an ordinary rain. It was a deluge of little black seeds. Black seeds in such abundance that they could actually be shoveled up. The people were asking the question, what is this stuff? They had never seen it before. The seeds proved edible, and the supply was so great it sustained our people until harvest, a month away. We learned later, a storm had arisen in Mongolia and had wrecked the places where this grain, which was called Kaling, I guess it was. I'm not sure. I can call it anything I want. I have it right in front of me. You don't. All right. But anyway, where this grain was stored, the seed was taken up, carried 1,500 miles, and dropped and the district where prayer was being answered. Amazing truth, isn't it? Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. In that passage in the book of Isaiah, children of Israel were in sin, and their sin had kept God from hearing and answering, but the verse reminds us that there was a God in heaven. That can do, as we know and we often quote, can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And I'll tell you, that one story in 1931 isn't the last prayer, nor, is it, uh, nor was it the first that has been answered. And as I was reading through the book of Exodus and going through this story, uh, I was just struck with a truth that, quite honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone preach on it. It was the, the truth that God answers prayer. Do you realize that, that each one of the plagues, the end of each one of the plagues, came as a result of prayer? And that's not something we often talk about. Now, we have in this passage, in fact, look if you would, at chapter 8, verse, verses 8 and 9. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And that's when he said, glory over me. You know, this is, this is it. The Lord's, the Lord's answer and the Lord's going to work. This is a wonderful blessing that God is bringing our way. And so here he is. And, he sa and, and so what does he do? He says, 
Uh, when do you want it removed? When do you want me to entreat the Lord for you? Verse 9, and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only. And that's when he said tomorrow. But we have the encouragement in this passage of specific answers to prayer. You think, you read through, I, and, and I, I wish kind of we could read chapters 8 through chapter 12 each and every time that we get together, or we wouldn't, or, you know, it would take me really probably a year and a half to get through all the points that we're going to end up having with this. It's just not going to happen. But if you take the time to read through, you'll see an amazing, wonderful blessing that God answered specific prayers and entreaties of Moses on behalf of Pharaoh. Now, I asked myself the question when I read this, did God really answer Moses' request? If you look at verse 9, Moses said unto Pharaoh, that's when he said, glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only? When I read that and I read the question, you know, the kind of statement, when, are, when am I supposed to do this and when am I supposed to pray for God to destroy them and then that they would remain in the river only, uh, my intent was, my thought or idea was that he was saying, okay, I'm going to pray that God would just totally remove the frogs and he'd only leave them in the water. But that's not what he was asking for. What did he say he would pray for? That God would do what? Destroy the frogs. You say, is that an important thing? Actually, it kind of was. You see, many believe, and I, I kind of am in agreement, at least I've read a, a few different men who said this, look, if... If the frogs had just gone back in the water, Pharaoh might have had a tendency to say, well, this was just an anomaly. This was just a strange thing. You know, we, but the fact that he said, when do you want this done? And then here's what's going to happen. The frogs are going to be destroyed. So whenever you tell me, that's when I will ask God for it. Isn't that an amazing thing? Look, here's a guy who, who believed that. He could go to God and make a prayer and say, I want them to die this time that God would do it and that Pharaoh would have proof from God. What an amazing thing. And so we are encouraged in, yes, in the story of the Exodus, we are urged to be people who pray because there is a God who gives specific answers to prayer. And God did that very thing so that they had piles of frogs because God did exactly what Moses asked them to do. Lord, destroy the frogs, and we only want living ones to remain in the rivers. And God did exactly that very thing that was asked for, the, the encouragement of specific answers. But we also have in the story of, of the, the uh, Exodus and these plagues, the encouragement of intercessory, intercessory prayer. The encouragement of intercessory prayer. I, notice a progression and powerful lesson in intercessory prayer. Pharaoh asked Moses to do what? We just read it in, uh, in verse 8. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and, and what does he say? He says, pray, okay? Pray. Ask God to do something. Uh, this first time Moses does what is asked of him, God answers. Pharaoh changes his heart, Right? Well, he did every time. So the answer to that, if I say Pharaoh changed his mind, you would always say yes. All right, well, until the last time. But, but uh, you know, every other time he, he did, okay? We know that to be true. So the next time, 
It says, look in chapter 8 and verse 29. Or Pharaoh uh, said, I, uh, verse 28, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go very far away. And what do we have again? Pray for me. Please pray for me. Y'all pray for me. You know, that's a, that's a line we hear, we hear a lot. Well, that's what Pharaoh was asking. And Moses said, I will go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. And I want you to tell me what the next word is. Next two words, if you want. Okay, the way it's put in mind. Tomorrow. Do you think that there is anything in, to that when the time before he asked about when you want the frogs gone? What did he say? Tomorrow. I don't, I don't know if, if Moses was putting a little slam here the second time. But uh, he, he says, okay, I'll, I'll pray, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be uh, tomorrow. And uh, so the, the second time he chides his deception. You see that in verse 29? I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and, and from his people tomorrow, but let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. But he still interceded, didn't he? Go to chapter 9, verse 27. Chapter 9 and verse 27. Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. And what do we see? Pray again. Entreat the Lord. For it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall, uh, you shall stay no longer. And, and Moses said unto him, as soon as... Do you see that? That's why I believe that tomorrow was like a little little slam there and a little reminder. Hey, look, you, you messed around with us the other day, and, uh, and so you're going to have to live with this for another day. But he says, as soon as I'm gone out of the city, I will sprout a bread in my hands unto the Lord. And, and, and here we have the answer to prayer, right? He was already confident. What did he say? What happened? The thunder shall cease. It will. I'm confident of that. I, that's, that's an amazing thing. But look at verse 30. And someone read that for me. Okay, so let me ask you something. If a guy had already lied to you twice, and you knew he wasn't going to change his mind, would you go to bat for him? Would you intercede on his behalf? Would you be wishing for something good for him? Come on, let's, let's be honest about it. Wouldn't you want to just kind of, no, I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to have to live with this for a little while, buddy. And maybe, you know, maybe a couple days if I change my mind about the whole thing. All right. You say, Pastor, you're just so mean. I, I, okay, I, I am. All right. So here we, though, have this situation where uh, this you know, he admits sin and everything else, and, and Moses says, I'll do it. He says, I know you're not sincere. I know you're not going to do what you say, but I'll pray for you anyway. That's a challenge. It really is. Intercessory prayer is not praying for someone because your heart is burdened because you love that person. Intercessory prayer is just something God asks us to do, and sometimes it's hard to pray for those who have done you wrong. It's the third time. And yet, he still was willing. Look at chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. The plagues have been continuing. 
And he said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once. And entreat the Lord your God that he may take away this death. And he went out from Pharaoh and, and he entreated the Lord. Um, the next few plagues, God hardens Pharaoh's heart and there are no more requests for entreaty. Um, there comes a time when insincerity and refusal to change may actually harden our hearts so we no longer seek God's forgiveness and help. Uh, that's another message, and, and that's another point maybe later on. In fact, I think we will get to it later on. But the subject of intercession, I want you to think about this again. How many of you would pray for someone's good if they had repeatedly deceived and lied to you? Now, look, God could have just ended each one of the plagues at any time in any way he so chose. Whether Moses interceded or not, God very well might have just ended. In fact, he did a couple times because Pharaoh didn't entreat or didn't ask for anything to be removed. But it is, I think, a tremendous testament to Moses' meek heart that he was willing to pray for someone that lied to him and he knew he was going to continue to lie to him. And yet he prayed for him and he prayed for his good. There wasn't a time he didn't pray for, for Pharaoh's good. challenging, isn't it? I, I got to tell you, I, I have a hard time sometimes praying for, for the good of people that I know are doing evil. It, it seems awful hard to pray for a lot of authorities in Washington, D.C. right now and to pray for their good. Actually, they need salvation. That's one definite thing we need to be praying for. But uh, interceding on behalf of of those who treat us wrong is a powerful lesson in the story of the book of Exodus. And it's, and it's an important lesson in prayer. Now, we have the encouragement then of specific answers. We have encouragement to intercede on behalf of people no matter how they have treated us. We have the encouragement of well as well of repeated answers. Prayer is an interesting subject in the plagues. Moses spake, he did each plague as God commanded him. But the plague stopped, at least a great number of them, stopped only when Moses prayed. And Moses never prayed for God to judge and send it as judgment. Moses said, this is when it's coming because this is what God said. But the plagues ended at his word most, most of the time. And so here was a man who had... Uh, power with God, and he had repeated answers of prayer. I, here's a challenge for you to think through. I can't recall a message ever preached regarding Moses being a man of prayer. I've preached myself on Samuel. In fact, there's some powerful illustrations of Samuel in his prayer life. I, I've preached on many different people you see in the Bible who are people of prayer and had prayers answered and had God work in a miraculous way. But I have never preached from the book of Exodus, about God answering prayer. But Moses had power with God. Hey, have you ever prayed for, you know, flies to be removed from an entire area and had it happen? Say, boy, I wish I had power to do that, you know? 
I mean, at the, at the picnic. Oh, man, I wish I could have prayed to get rid of those flies. Uh, uh, now, obviously, you know, this is a, a specific time and a specific place, but Moses had power with God, and he saw repeated answers to prayer. Over and over and again, he comes to God and he says, God, I need you to do this. And God did it when he asked for it. And, and when Moses uh, prayed, God heard. What an what a encouragement, what a wonderful blessing, and yet what a challenge it is to come to this passage and to think about prayer. And, and, and quite frankly, I've never noticed that in the plagues before. But it's a tremendous testament to the fact that God answers prayer. And we ought to be encouraged by that. Now, uh, the ninth point in your outline is we, uh, we're not going to finish up chapter 8. But uh, we need to know something else. Uh, Pharaoh kept changing his, he changed, I don't know if changing his mind is exactly it. Um, Moses called him deceitful. So I put it this way, know that deceitfulness is a trait of human nature. It is. Back in chapter 8 and verse 29, as we've uh, already shared, Moses said he would entreat the Lord for the swarms of flies. But he said, let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore and not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Um, he's willing, but he calls on this ruler in Egypt for being deceitful, and he says he calls him out for that, and he says, look, stop doing that. Now, Pharaoh doesn't listen. He continues on this path of making promises and then backing off from them. Uh, it's so obvious and blatant that Moses quits believing Pharaoh's going to do what he said. All right? We've already brought that out. I know, as we were talking about prayer in 930, uh, chapter 9 and verse 30. And that's the kind of world we live in. You know, nothing much has changed. We live in a day when people make promises. They don't keep their promises. I, boy, couldn't we all give illustrations of that? People that you asked to do a job, you paid to do a job, and they didn't complete their, their fulfill their promises, other things like that. And the truth is, this has been a, this has been a problem since the very beginning, and it's not going to change. And we need to at least be honest enough to recognize that. So there's a couple thoughts that I want to share with you about this deceitfulness, since it's a trait of human nature. First, is you need to recognize the tendency of deceitfulness in your own heart and deal with it. So recognize the tendency and deal with it in your own life. And what I mean by that is let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Be a person of your word. Be a person of, of integrity. We heard that recently, didn't we, in the book of Proverbs. And we'll hit on that again, I know, because it's going to come up a number of times in Proverbs, and other verses are going to direct us that way. But just being a person of integrity. God says, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. And the point Jesus was making in Matthew 5 is, look, let your, words, let, let your word be your bond. Be honest. Um, deceitfulness. Is a, uh, is a terrible sin, and you need to recognize your own tendency to be that way. Have you ever told someone something that you, you didn't intend to do, but uh, just hopefully to get them off my back, maybe I'll say, okay, yeah, maybe I'll do that, whatever. Uh, we need to be people of our word. We need to be honest. And then the second truth 
And, and boy, Moses learned this lesson <clears throat> over and over and over. Don't be surprised when you experience it. That's profound, right? I, I know you never, never entered your mind. But don't be surprised when you experience it. Now, I got to tell you this. Don't become skeptical of everyone. You know, thankfully, there are still people that keep their word. Aren't you, aren't you glad for that? Uh, and you should be one of them. But thankfully, there are still people that keep their word. And if, if you start to look at everyone as if, well, they're going to lie to me, um, you're going to become really, really questionable as far as your, your dealings in life. But you need to understand that there are people, a lot of people that will deceive. And you need to live with that reality, and you need to be very careful. Um, God tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He was talking to his own followers when they were going to go out and do the work of the Lord. And it's very true. We need to be that way. We need to understand that people by nature are, are going to be dishonest and, and then live with that reality and, and, um, and deal with things that way. Um, you know, I, I hate to, I, I love it when someone just keeps their word or says they'll do something, but contracts are good things these days uh, because, because people's word is not always their bond. And so um, when you're dealing with people, you need to do that. By the way, uh, there's a lot of elderly that get taken because in mind they want to believe that everyone's going to be honest with them and upfront with them, and a lot of seniors get taken. And if you happen to be of that age, just understand that. There are deceitful people in our world who will think nothing of taking advantage of you and taking your money. So um, just, I, I guess there's just a lesson to be wise and understand that this is true. And we see it evidenced in Pharaoh, who over and over just lied. Don't be surprised when you experienced it. Uh, I came across a story. He operated a small grocery store in the town of Sheridan, Arkansas, in the 1940s. She, a lady, was having company the next day, so she went to the store to buy what she needed for a meal preparation. She said, I need a large chicken, because she was having a lot of visitors. Well, he pushed his hand down into a bin of ice, because that's where, where the chickens were in that time, and, and he came up with a chicken. Well, he put it on the scale, and she looked at the weight and declared, I need a larger one than that. So he put the chicken back down in the ice. He fumbled for another, but there was no other chicken. So he pulled out the same chicken, and, 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 uh, and he put it on the, the scale, and he added his finger on the backside of the scale. Well, she eyeballed the scale, and she confidently declared, I'll take both chickens. <laughs> said, uh, <laughs> so to the day of his death, his son remembered the story the grocery owner told them over and over. And when, when told at his funeral the story, at the suggestion of the family, this story was told, the lady in the story who happened to be sitting next to my wife, the preacher said, shook the whole pew as she laughed. And the incident must have impressed him, obviously. As bad as the embarrassment was that he didn't have what the lady needed, it was worse. He was caught trying to deceive her. And it's a hard lesson, you know, it is. So they ended it by saying the truth is always better the first time. You know, look, be someone who's a person of integrity. Uh, tell people what you mean and mean it and say it and keep your word. Um, and then understand this. As much as we want to believe everyone will be that way with us, people won't. It's part of our human nature to deceive because we're, we're of our, people are of their father or the devil. 
And the devil is a deceiver. He's a liar. And so uh, let's just always be wise and learn uh, the lessons that can be learned. And boy, did I intend to get into, ch- into the, the next one. But it's Mother's Day. I'm going to let you out a few minutes early. Isn't that nice? All right. So let's, uh, let's pray.